Hey guys, welcome to my first podcast. This is Journeys with Jen. I'm Jennifer Griego. I'm here with Jay Scott. He has his own podcast, Jay Scott Outdoors, and he's going to talk about podcasts with me today. And we are joined with my brother, David, who's going to talk about jobs and first jobs with, with us. All right. Allow myself to introduce <laughs> myself. <laughs> Hello, my name is David Griego. I'm Jennifer's brother. Older brother. Older brother. And uh, I'm at school in, at Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska right now. And I graduated from Brophy last year. And uh, I'm here on spring break right now. So I'm enjoying some quality time with the family. Crazy times. How is it up there in Omaha? <laughs> it's a little bit cold. A little bit? Un poquito. This whole uh, Arctic typhoon or Arctic. Polar vortex Yeah, polar thing? vortex or whatever. <laughs> it's pretty cold, man. Like I was telling Jay earlier. Um, it was like negative 15 or something like two months ago and my roommate and I grabbed our boiling water, took it outside, threw it out in the, in the air and it froze instantly. Just snow, just before it hit the ground, before it hit the ground. I have a video of it. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the video. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. And I thought that was just a myth, but pretty crazy. Yeah. All right. we're also here with me, Padre. How do you want to introduce yourself? Well, well, yourself to introduce yourself. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm just your dad. Even though I'm a doctor, you don't have to do call me a doctor. Do you have a name or anything? Bob Griego. There you go. Dr. Bob. Oh, you call me Bob. MD. <laughs> Roberto. Mr. Evil. Dr. Evil. I didn't spend six years in evil medical school to be called Mr. Thank you very much. <laughs> but you don't have to call me doctor. Just call me dad. Or Bob or whatever, and Allegedly I'm a doctor, dead. I'm a dermatologist, I do skin cancer surgery, and um, raise you guys. Pretty cool. It's a pretty good life. I also have Got a, a lovely wife and great kids. Yeah. I have two wonderful kids and one other one. That's all right, and, the other um, one isn't here. They argue about, <laughs> they argue about which, who the other one is. But uh, I wonder who the, the lesser of them is. Oh, the one who isn't here. Exactly. Yeah, my younger brother, Timmy Griego, he is a freshman at Brophy. He plays football. He is not at this podcast right now. And my mother... He's got probation. <clears throat> yeah. My mother is a retired pediatric doctor. She is awesome. <laughs> Love her. And she's also not here right now, but she will join us eventually. Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf? <laughs> <laughs> no, we got to make sure. Ma. The meatloaf! We want it now! <laughs> the meatloaf! So, at least she has some presents here. Yeah. So, yeah. tell us about yourself, Jen. Yes. Oh, right. Well, I'm 17, and I've been needing to get a job lately. I need to buy a car. Yes. And um, I've had a couple, like, kind of jobs. They don't technically count, as I'm constantly reminded. But this is technically the first day of my first job. My other jobs have been like carpooling kids to school and clinical trials and things like that. So, you know, a little bit of a change. I'm more comfortable in this setting and I'm not going to be poked and prodded with needles, you know. It's pretty nice. Life is good. Yes, it's good luxury. It is. And what's your background as far as have you done anything that people might know you from or do you oh. have any Instagram stuff or? Oh, yeah. My Instagram is Jen underscore Griego. And, um,. Well, you might know me from hunting. I've I know you from hunting. Yeah, Jay knows me from hunting. <laughs> I've yeah. been on Jay's podcast, and Jay has tagged me in some posts. But yeah, he might know me from like hunting and wild sheep. Yeah, wild sheep foundation. I gave two speeches there. I don't know how to put this. 
but I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> really? <laughs> People know me. People. I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, <laughs> and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> Jay, welcome to the ride. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're in for some uh, deep talk here. Crazy uh-huh. stuff. So, Jay, you have quite the reputation in the Western hunting world. And, uh, Dart, I'm, you know, Dark Hall, Colburn, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I went on a, on a, uh, like a, a retreat up in Montana, um, with his son, Parker Colburn. Yeah. And we had this ongoing joke, kind of, <laughs> talking about you, Jay Scott, of all people. Well, he brought it up, right? And, and Parker, Parker brought it up. He's like, and he's, all he was talking about was Jay Scott, Jay Scott, Jay's Jay my Scott. boy. Jay Scott's my boy. <laughs> And at this point, we're like, yeah, I, yeah. And I, I knew you before this. I'm like, yeah. When no. was this? This was 2014. So like five years ago? Yeah, 2013, 2014. And, and I, I, I knew Jay Scott, and we were all just kind of, you know, ribbing each other. Just so I'm like, all right, Parker, take it easy with Jay Scott over there. Like, we, he was like. Name he, dropping? Just, just name just name dropping uh, Jay Scott. So it was kind of funny. Parker kind of considers you the Chuck Norris of Western hunting. That's what he said? <laughs> well, that's that's what we identified just because we're like, oh, yeah, Parker would say Jay Scott can uh, swim on land, man. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if Jay Scott was bit by a rattlesnake, after two weeks, the, the rattlesnake would die. Die, yeah. All right. Well, Jay, we'll start with you because you're a little bit more important than David. But oh, okay. um, oh, that hurts, that doesn't it? There'll be also uh, quite a bit of rips in this uh, yes. in this podcast. So uh, buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Hey, Jay, can you just tell me and the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure, Jen. Uh, so I own and operate a podcast. It's called Jay Scott Outdoors, a Western Big Game Hunting and Fishing Podcast. I would say about. of it is hunting and 15% is fishing. Uh, I went to Grand Canyon University, uh, ended up finishing my school at Arizona State University, got my real estate license in 1997. I still have an active uh, Arizona real estate license. And I did a lot of uh, vacant land sales in kind of northeast uh, Phoenix. And I've been in this Arizona area for a long, long time. I I was born in California, moved over here when I was about one. Uh, I've got family kind of spread out all over Arizona and um, just consider myself a desert rat for sure and love the sun and love everything about Arizona. Okay, so like you have your podcast, like how did that start? What kind of like inspired you whatever to start it? Yeah, you know, Jen, before I get into that, first I'd like to say I'm honored to be here for your first job. Thank you. And your first podcast. I'm super stoked. I've seen you speak several times and you just knock it out of the park. And I know you're so dynamic and energetic. It's going to be super fun to see you kind of blossom with this and and uh, interview different people and have different conversations. And it's cool to have your dad here and your brother here to start this out. So uh, first, I'm honored to be here. And um, yeah, my podcast, uh, you know, it's four years old as of about a week or so ago. And um, how my podcast started was uh, my friends, Stephen Rinella and Giannis Patelis over at The Meat Eater. Uh, four years ago, a little over four years ago, actually, when I got back from Mexico in January, they had st- emailed me a pilot episode and said, we're starting a podcast. I said, what's a podcast? Didn't even know what it was. And and, um, they said, you know, 
will you listen to it and tell us what you think? And I listened to it. I'm like, wow, this is really good. It's, you know, at, at that point in time, I didn't really know what a podcast was. And I listened to theirs and Yana said, hey, Jay, you should start a Western big game hunting podcast and fishing. And I thought, well, I hadn't really thought about that. But I had had a blog uh, that I had run, Jay Scott Outdoors blog on the computer um, for probably eight or 10 years. And I thought, well, this is a perfect extension of kind of what I do. And uh, so I got all the equipment, much of what you see here, uh, a similar equipment to what you have. That's because you and, told us what to get, Jay. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like so then I started. Uh, I just uh, got the equipment and started and didn't really have a purpose or a plan, to be honest with you. And just thought I would start trying to inform and educate and interview people and just kind of have fun with it. And it seems like about five episodes in, uh, I got a call from GoHunt.com and they said, hey, we like what you're doing. Uh, we'd like to sponsor your podcast. And I thought, wow, I, I mean, hadn't really even thought of sponsorship or, you know, trying to potentially monetize this. And GoHunt stepped up and... Um, you know, it's it's been an incredible journey. I think I'm at uh, 500 and, I don't know, 50 episodes or something like that. And, um, you know, 22 plus million downloads in, in four years. <laughs> but what's crazy is at the beginning it was, you know, I was able to see how many people listened in like the first month. I want to say mm -hmm. it was like four or 500. I mean, it started slow. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it just kept gaining momentum and traction. So, or, you know, it just kept growing and growing and growing. And so it's a huge blessing for me to be able to interview people and, um, you know, and then now to know kind of the journey that you're going to be on and the fun things that you're going to see with what you get to do. It's just, um, it's awesome because you get to talk to people, maybe, maybe people that you talk to all the time, but then maybe people that normally you wouldn't talk to. Mm -hmm. So it kind of opens doors for you as, and, and I'm talking about myself as well, like opens doors where you can go talk and have a good conversation and you actually learn a lot of stuff. Uh, and that's one thing, you know, I've just been so fortunate with how much I've learned from the guests that I've had on. Yeah, so. that's pretty cool. So did you kind of just like expect it to be just kind of a side hobby thing at the beginning? Yeah, I mean, I really didn't have any expectations. Um, it was pretty easy for me going in not really having a plan or expectations. I was basically just trying to have an extension of my blog, um, which I had, you know, obviously on the Internet where people could read about different hunts and stuff that, you know, being a being a big game a hunting guide and outfitter and I'm in the real estate business and um, it was just kind of an extension of something that I do but my wife joked because she's like you're sitting talking around you know talking to people about hunting and fishing all the time mm -hmm. it, it's not going to be challenging for you because she's like I hear you yapping on the phone all the time about you know this hunt that hunt draw odds whatever and so it's it's really um it comes natural for me yeah. uh, and it, it's fun to be able to talk to people about that have expertise in maybe areas that I don't and learn something. And then even areas where I do have a lot of knowledge, it's interesting to hear different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's just amazing to me. It seems so convenient to be able to 
download a topic and listen to it at your own schedule rather than trying to find somebody on the radio or TV or whatever. And I think that's the big thing with podcasts. And I think the, the mobile phone right here in our pockets, you know, we all have phones on us right now. Uh, I, I think podcasts were kind of big and then they kind of, kind of lulled a little bit, but then the mobile phone became, you know, the iPhone specifically became so uh, readily available. Everybody was having iPhones and then with iTunes and the ability Stitcher and Podbean and some of these, um, hosts where, you know, people can listen on their own time mm-hmm. and the ability to, you know, go on a run, push pause and pick it up, you know, in an hour or three days later or a week later, or listen to bits and pieces of episodes or ch- even cherry pick episodes. So I think the availability of the mobile device and people being able to multitask and listen to podcasts, whereas like video podcasts and such, you have to physically mm-hmm. watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those guys when I'm, you know, going on a hike or going on a walk or driving down the road, I like to be able to listen to something. And so I think that's why podcasts have become so popular. Radio. (laughs) Who needs a radio? (laughs) (laughs) By the way, my dad is putting these movie lines. It's not me. He has control over all of that. That was Dumb and Dumber. Yes, it was. We need an expert in that field and we got him. Yeah, I'm not the expert. Dad is definitely the expert. So, like, your podcast is kind of like a source of income now. Do you have anything else you do? Yeah, so uh, I got my real estate license in 1997, uh, as soon as I graduated from Arizona State University, which I say graduated. They basically let me out. I had to beg my way (laughs) to get my diploma, but uh, got my real estate license. Uh, My dad actually is in the real estate business, does a lot of property management and different things like that, and has always been in the residential uh, real estate business. So I got my license in 1997. And I wanted to sell vacant land. Mm. Um, my dad said, you know, you, you, you would probably, you like being outside, so you'd probably like to do vacant land. So I actually started selling vacant land in an area of Northeast Scottsdale, kind of by Pinnacle Peak area. There's a big chunk of ground out there called Rio Verde. And back then when I started, they were selling one acre lots for around 30 to 32,000 a lot with water, power, and phone. Uh, I worked that area specifically really hard until about 2008. The interesting thing in like 2005 and six, those same lots were selling for over 300,000. So they had gone up 10 times in value. Uh, So it was really interesting to see uh, the real estate market and, you know, the dynamics of that peak of that market in, in 04, 05, 06, 07 just going crazy and seeing those property values, you know, go up. And uh, I got to where I was buying and selling property, buying in bulk, splitting them down, bringing in the water power phone. Uh, And this is kind of a long answer to your question, but uh, I used to buy and sell a lot of vacant land and split it up and bring in the utilities and then sell them off either to builders or end users. And then the market crashed in 2008 and it was kind of a period of time where there was quite a bit of uncertainty. And it was in 2011, I was able to buy back in when prices all around the Metro Phoenix area here were really low. I bought rental houses, uh, single family homes at, at just rock bottom prices. I mean, I remember driving up and down 
like the streets and there'd be just real estate signs on, I mean, every, every house almost and paying just crazy low money for properties that, you know, now we've bounced off our bottom and we're, you know, they've, they've doubled and tripled in value. Wow. So it's just bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little Spicoli, right? <laughs> yeah. And so real estate is my main business, but podcasting uh, and my outfitting business has allowed me to do things and talk about things that I really love. Like I love real estate, but who doesn't love to talk about hunts and mm -hmm. who doesn't right. love to talk for about sure. fishing trips for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So like just about the podcast, do you have any advice for me or like anyone else who wants to start a podcast or anything? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the advice I'd give you is to just have fun with it. Mm -hmm. uh, and don't put too much pressure on yourself to create like these masterpiece, uh, you know, performances, so to speak, or, you know, these 60 minute type interviews, which you may, mm. but a good conversation, it doesn't always have to be like some, you know, sense of dramatics or have, you know, some mega storyline, which those are all great, but just good, nice conversations. Uh, you know, I, I would highly recommend just talk to people, um, ask questions that you're curious about and um, have fun with it. And, you know, you never know where it may go. I mean, there's people literally that make millions and millions of dollars by just talking to people and podcasting. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's really crazy. And it's really kind of cool to see, <coughs> excuse me, uh, something that you can do that's, you know, here we are, we're wearing shorts and sitting around in our flip flops and, mm -hmm. you know, just having a nice discussion. And, you know, it's no different. You take a guy like Joe Rogan, you know, he's probably making you know, eight to $10 million a year or more. And that's just a guess. Yeah. Podcasting. Yeah, wow. That's crazy. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like I said, this is my first job technically. So like, what was your first job? My first job is I used to wash golf carts, uh, at, at, uh, Stone Creek golf course and Scottsdale yeah. country oh, yeah. club, which is now mm -hmm. Starfire golf yeah. course. Oh yeah. We had a golf uh, tournament there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually, uh, before I was, <coughs> 15 i actually had to have my parents kind of basically sign off saying yes he can work <laughs> and like you know the child labor laws i don't think were like they are now but like i wanted to work i wanted to pick golf balls on the range i wanted to wash golf carts and they're like you're not old enough i am you know i grew up fortunately with parents that you know basically said if you want to buy a car you're gonna to have to pay for it. if you want to go to mm -hmm. college you're gonna to have to pay for it you know um Literally in high school, I was the one when we went to family dinner, I would literally pull out and pay for my meal. So I was kind of brought up that you have to pay for everything that you get. And so my first job, several jobs was, was um, you know, washing golf carts. Oh. And, and then sometimes on the weekends, getting up early and going to the golf course, pulling all the golf carts out uh, for the day. And that started, I had a, when I was young, I, I loved golf and I played golf in high school and played golf in college. And, um, so it was easy for me to work at the golf course because I loved golf. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So Dave, what was your first job? I actually had a question for Jay. Um, I feel like, like back in the day in, in the olden days, as you guys should remember, um, wow. you're, you're speaking my language, the olden days <laughs> exactly. compared to you two. I feel old. <laughs> uh, 
I feel like most kids, like at fifteen or sixteen, had a job. I mean, I, I'm I'm not I'm not familiar with the labor laws at all, but like I thought, like back in the day, like most kids would have like a job, either you know throwing newspapers or just something very small. Or, but I mean, I always thought that most young teenagers had jobs. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I think first. It may be perception, but mm. it seemed like most of the kids that I knew, a bunch of them had jobs. And I also don't want to discount the fact that, um, you know, kids that are in, you know, junior high and high school and what have you, you know, playing sports, getting good grades, they're still, you know, that that could be their job. Mm-hmm. And that could be the focus of their attention uh, that could maybe get them a, a scholarship in college and mm-hmm. what have you. So I don't want to discount and make myself sound like, oh, I worked, I have worked a lot. Um, but I, I think to answer your question, yes, I think a lot of kids back then had jobs and I don't really have my finger on the pulse of how they are now. Um, I can't believe we drove around all day and there's not a single job in this town. There's not, not a zip. Yeah, unless you want to work 40 hours a week. What was that from? Dumb, Dumb and Dumber. Dumber. Oh, yeah. Man, I wonder Harry how many Dumb and Dumber lines are in this, in your little repertoire. There might be a few in there, but <laughs> but you saw it, Dave. Jennifer asked you what your first job was, mm-hmm. and talk about that. Okay. Well, um, my first job was at uh, the Fat Ox down here on uh, Lincoln and Scottsdale Road. I was 16 or 17, and uh, I was trying to save up for my first car. And at that point, I was just trying to either buy buy the forerunner from my dad or try to save up for another car. Um, and, uh, the fat ox was just opening. Let's talk about walking in and applying and okay. Yeah. So wait, where's the fat ox? So the fat ox is off of, um, Lincoln and Scottsdale road and like, it's just re- like right, right here next to where the Ritz Carlton's being built. Okay. It's, it's right there. Okay. And, um, so I, I remember walking in and they, and like they, they didn't even have like the real like sign up for for the for the restaurant. They just had one of those plastic like banners like oh the, coming soon the fat ox, and they were supposed to be opening on that Wednes on the Wednesday that I I actually walked in. So I I came in like earlier in the day, and they were supposed to start that night. So I walked in, and and literally like, people were around putting together chairs and stuff, just getting ready to go, and uh, and um. I, I walked down and I, and I talked to one of the hostesses and, and she said that uh, I should talk to the manager. I'm like, oh, well, where's the manager? He's like, oh, he's over there. And he was, he was building a table like just like at that moment. I'm like, what the heck? And I was all dressed up in like a like a nice college shirt all tucked in, you know. And I, I honestly would have been like like in Step Brothers wearing like a tuxedo <laughs> to, uh, to an interview. They're like, why is this guy way overdressed? Exactly, exactly. So I walk in. And I had my resume with me, and and I and I walk up to him like, excuse me, sir. He's like, he's like, oh, what do you want? And uh, I'm like, oh, I'd, I'd like to apply for a job. And he's like, oh. What do you say we interview you? We want to tell you the stuff we're not good at, our weaknesses, so we're clear up front. Okay. We're not generally comfortable in an office setting, I would say. I get cooped up. I won't go into an office that's ever been used before. I am no good before 11 a.m. I also get headaches from computers, so I can't be around them for too long. I take stuff. I need to have someone go up and down with me in the elevator. I have a weakness for sweets. Other weaknesses? We're slow learners, and we're not particularly good listeners. That'll be a a huge problem. 
We're also slow learners. <laughs> and uh, I, I gave him my, my resume. He looked at it for like a second. He's like, can you work Friday? I'm like, uh, yeah, I can work Friday. You didn't even look at my resume. I'm like, ah, awesome, awesome. You're way overqualified. <laughs> oh, exactly. What, what was like, on your resume at that point? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's a good question. I had um, – so, again, I, I worked odd jobs um, before, you know, middle school and – Waxing your dad's vehicle. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, he did work for me. I did. I, he did. That's that's, that's a good story. Yeah. We oh, should yeah. Maybe that. you should maybe you should elaborate that, Dave. How'd that go? <laughs> so, David did that. a great job. He helped out at my office doing some stuff, and the staff liked him, and the patients liked him. He's had trouble getting up for work. Wake up, Mr. Alec. Bright <laughs> and shining. Wakey, waking, Mr. Alex. Wake up, Alex. <laughs> Is that how that morning went, Dave? Uh, it was a little bit nicer than that. What was it, 9 o'clock? Oh, it was 5 a.m. <laughs> no, I leave here around 6.20. But he would stay up late in the summers and didn't mm -hmm. wake up, and we had a few discussions, and yep. I realized it's probably better for him to do something else. So. Got the boot. You're fired! <laughs> yeah. Ruthless. You are much better off after that. <laughs> no, I learned a lot from that, absolutely. So, And uh, it, was, it was a good experience. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so I ended up working. I worked other jobs. I umpired baseball games for a couple of years, which, were, which was awesome. And um, what else did I do? You know, just odd jobs. Did you ever have the dad in the stands or the mom yelling oh at you? He gosh. was out. He yeah, was out. Yeah, a couple times, a couple <laughs> times. But I kind of knew, like, I, I knew the coaches and stuff. So if there was ever a problem, I just kind of divert the problem to the coach. Like, <laughs> I don't, I'm a – dumb 11 year old kid i don't know what i'm doing but i thought he was out so <laughs> case closed yeah. um but yeah i worked at the fat ox for a few months and uh bussin bussin yep so you have to be in the state of arizona you have to be 19 to be a, a waiter and uh so i was just busting tables and the first day i showed up and the the, the, the manager had me dressed in all black just because it was a nice fancy italian restaurant and uh, it was the first Friday they were open. So I walked in, ready for work, and it just chaos. Just people like, all right, go, 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 go. Yeah, corner, corner, because they're all going around corners and stuff. And, uh, and, uh, and I didn't even know who to go to, to like, okay, can I work now? Like, what do I have to do? Because I received zero training before. Usually to work in a restaurant, you have to get a couple weeks of training. But they needed staff so bad that they, they just wanted me on the floor working. Um, and I later found out that a lot of the waiters and bus, bus boys actually got two weeks of training on the menus, the, the, the seating charts and everything two weeks prior to where they first worked and when the restaurant opened, but I had zero. Just threw you right in the fire. Oh, exactly. So mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, it, how, how bad could it be? How, how bad could it be? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm walking in and they're like, all right, take, take this to whatever, uh, table 47. I'm like, oh, Okay. And roaming around, <laughs> where am I supposed to go? Get back in here right now. We need you. It was crazy. But okay, where's forty-seven? The forty-seven. What the heck is forty-six? Forty-six is on the other side of the restaurant. But uh, you should have known that, rookie. Come on. <laughs> but um, all right, I, I kind of want to talk about um, just the dynamics of the restaurant. But so the Fat Ox is was chef owned, or it, like it was supposed. It was based around a, fa a famous chef. I, I don't know his name, but. Not that um, famous, apparently. Well, it's got so apparently. <laughs> is it still open? It still is open. Okay. And it had trouble at the very beginning just because they were charging. It was very expensive and for a small portion size and everything. So 
like from from the service standpoint, every meeting we'd have, um, the manager would just be like, just make sure that that you're treating the guests as the best as possible because Yelp reviews go a long way in a restaurant, absolutely. So, and and uh, from a guest standpoint, the restaurant like business is what it is from service, like. Mm-hmm. How like how, say say I, I mess up a guy's order, that could ruin their whole night, you know. So it's not really the quality of the food; it's the service. So that's the most important part. Um, so the famous chef guy—I don't remember his name—but um, he was in the center of the kitchen, and my job was to polish dishes, which which was clean, you know drying dishes, putting them away, and then also running food out out on the floor um, with the waiters, and. I figured out very quickly that the chefs thought they were pretty badass. Mm-hmm. And you could only refer to them if you said, uh, chef, may I speak? Mm-hmm. I'm like, what is that, a ratatouille or something? Like, what the heck is this? <laughs> we tried to adopt that policy Oh, yeah, that did not fly. <laughs> um, but I'm like, what? who does this guy think he is? Like, No soup for you! <laughs> <laughs> that was legit how it was and they were cussing like sailors you know and it was pretty intimidating but uh i i ended up i found one of the like one of the waiters that i kind of followed around he, he went to brophy and uh and he was helping me out and just kind of giving me tips and stuff but he's like just get out of the chef's way and you're here to serve the chef so do not screw up just respect them as your elder and and it was almost like a military style, you know. It was it was definitely efficient, but it was pretty intimidating. Um, but it was pretty crazy. Um, yeah. Were they real particular on like how you actually like you couldn't touch the top of the plate absolutely. or like yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, I wish I I applied earlier because then I, w- I would have obtained the training. Um, like there's etiquette and setting a table, um, delivering food, like. You have to. You have to. Hopefully, I remember this. I don't, I don't want to coach well, it's any okay. people. You still wrong. work in a restaurant, so you should know. <laughs> don't spit in the food. <laughs> <laughs> They're not a fan of that very much. That's probably how I got fired. Um, but what you're supposed to do is serve from the left of the guests and take from the right. And if you do it the other way around, you're. They're like they'll just hop on you, just all mad. Like from the side of the table. Like, no, wait, like, what wait, do you mean, serve from the left? Oh, so like, right. say, say, if I have a mac and cheese for you, Jen. <laughs> yes. It's a really nice it. restaurant, like a prom <laughs> date or something. Yeah, exactly. And I came up behind you, then I'd be, I, I would, I would deliver that dish to to your left. So oh, okay. I would be behind you, and I'd and I'd serve that to your left, mm-hmm. and I'd be oh on your left, and then I put it right in front of you, and then when you're done, I come up behind you, and then like, oh, are you finished, miss? And try not to, you know, roast you or anything. Mm-hmm. I'll reach out yeah, to your right and take it from you on your right, and you're out of there. What so, if they're in a booth? It, well, then, then you're restricted to like what side you go on. Any, any more questions, Jen? I do. Well, she is interrogating. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what the point of this is. <laughs> <laughs> so you said like it was about the service and like how the waiters and busboys like Absolutely, you were yep. were with the people. Do you ever have any like crazy? Because it's obviously like a high-end restaurant. Look at his so face. He's, he's like, he's like, I have a story for <laughs> yeah. you. Don't worry. Oh, do I have a story? <laughs> I have quite a few stories. So how were the people? Some people like, oh my gosh. It's high-end you know, No, cheese. I want a hot dog. I want a milkshake. I want potatoes. You'll chips. get nothing and like it. <laughs> <laughs> but answering Jen's question, a lot of the people who, who uh, go to Fat Ox to eat 
are kind of like the uh, the old man in Caddyshack. They're just like <laughs> we stuck up people. Not I'm not all of them. I'm just trying to. You're gonna get letters. Get yeah, some I'm content gonna, in here. <laughs> we should have a disclaimer for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we're never eating there again. <laughs> we're never welcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, people all, especially on like a Friday or Saturday night, people would all go out, all dressed up, ready to eat, and and paying pretty like for pretty expensive meals and expect a great experience. So, and uh, like no, no, no blame to them at all. Like it's, it's just what they expect because that's what they paid for. And they're definitely gonna have a certain attitude about the, the service and the quality of the food. But um, I have a couple stories about people just being a little bit odd. Um, that's a nice way to put it. All right, I have, I have one. This is the one off the top of my head. So the first couple weeks they had, I was referred to as the rookie because I was a rookie, a rookie. <laughs> and I was the youngest right one there. So. Exactly. I was the youngest one there. I was probably 16 or 17 and I was working with like people anywhere from 20 something to 40, like doing like either being bus boys or wait or waiters, or waitresses. And they had me working in the kitchen. Uh, I mean, no crap. Yeah. Working, working, <laughs> working in the, in the dessert kitchen. And just because it'd be going more slow and I could kind of focus on where, where they needed me and they were overstaffed. So it was all right. Um, so the, the one chef finishes, finishes a couple desserts and I, I deliver them to whatever table they need to go. And then all of a sudden she's like, here we go. Uh, uh, birthday, uh, table 49. I'm like, Oh, awesome. She's like, you know what to do? I'm like, uh, I think so. <laughs> so she gives me a candle. She's like, okay, what you do is you burn the bottom of the wax and you burn it over the top of the ice cream and you gotta let it melt on the top of the ice cream so it doesn't, so you don't just shove it right through. I'm like, can I just, oh, all right, all right, I'll figure it out. I thought I knew what I was doing because I'm like, <laughs> hey, fake it before, fake it till you make it, right? So I had it, I had the the candle and the the lighter and everything, and I walked out to the table and the waiter was with me, and. Uh, and and he, of course he's trying to be like out in the front, like kind of like yeah. like being like oh grandstanding yeah exactly a bit. Oh, I I brought this nice dessert for you yeah. in the house. He's just trying to get tips, just to suck up. Mm. But anyway, <laughs> I'm that's how I'm, you get money, dude. Exactly. So I'm up behind him. I, I set it down. He leaves, and I'm I'm putting the candle on there. And it turns out I was supposed to have it lit before, which kind of ruined the whole. Uh, Oh, exactly. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm trying to get to light. Hold on a second. And all these, it was a table of four, and they were all, shaking. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, oh, was one were they second. Young one people, second. or what were they? They were geezers, man. They were old, like at hey, least forty. I guess they're right. Senior citizens, although slow and dangerous behind the wheel, can still serve a purpose. <laughs> I'll be right back. Don't you go dying on me. <laughs> That's for everybody 40 and over. That's right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, they were about 42. Uh-huh. And, uh, One foot in the grave. Exactly. And I came up, I lit the thing, and I stepped back, and they, <laughs> they just looked right at, at the dessert. I'm like, okay, awesome, perfect. And then I started singing, happy birthday to you. <laughs> I sang the entire song. I sang the entire song, and they didn't even <laughs> look at me. They were, they, were, like, they were just like looking at each other like, what is this kid doing? Like... 
I don't know. I, our whole family goes to Benihana for birthdays <laughs> and everything. That's what I, I was used to. Or Italian restaurants so or whatever no one it was. else was chiming in? No one. Solo, 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 solo. And I got, where, where was everybody else? I expected, I expected a standing ovation, but oh, of course. I, don't, I don't know. I'm not Jennifer Griego, so. Did I'm they acknowledge that or just, they, okay, time after, to leave? After I finished it, it was just an <laughs> awkward just silence. out of there. I've been called the songbird of my generation by people who've heard me. That good. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was pretty it's pretty amazing. But anyway, I finished singing the song, stepped back, and it was just a total utter awkward silence, man. And then there's that big awkward silence, you know. Um, so I stepped back, I stepped back, and they they just like looked at me all weird, and I walked back to the kitchen, just embarrassed, out of my mind. And How whole, fast and, did you walk back to the oh, kitchen? I I just like basically just sprinted back. I'm like, get me out of here. And I walked back, and the whole kitchen just exploded, howling, laughing at me. <laughs> oh, guess what the rookie did? Oh, my gosh. What is this, Betty Hanna? What are you thinking? And uh, they were just, yeah, so that, that reinforced my reputation as a rookie at the Fat Ox. So, but it was, it was really funny. Yeah, so do you have any experiences serving, like, hot food or anything? I don't know what you're talking about. Soup. Almost like hot, that was a like, baited question. Maybe, maybe like, I don't know, like, you know, like, maybe like a hot soup or something. A hot soup. <clears throat> oh, yeah, there was this one time. Maybe, like, I don't know. Just thinking of some random yeah. questions here. Jennifer and I have never talked face-to-face no, before, so. No, never. Um, it's not like we're related or anything. Yep. So there was this one time. It's probably the first soup I ever served because I would have learned how to <laughs> handle soup the first time. But uh, there was a huge table, probably like 20 people. Mom, what's a little this, laugh Mom? in the background? <laughs> little cameo Mom, Mom remembers this. Mom remembers this. So a huge table of 20 people, and they had probably four or five different servers on this table, and they needed staff, like, fast. So they're like, all right, David, go go grab whatever and just help out. But, oh, absolutely. So I'm all I'm, I'm all hyped up and, like, excited mm-hmm. to help out because it's, like, my first real, like, big table I've ever helped serve. And I grabbed these two things of soup. And I'm going around, and I'm following the, the waiter behind me. And, and I'm walking around, I'm like, holy crap, this is hot, dude. This is hot. And and I, I'm pretty sure I saw the like the, the head chef look at me. He's like, good luck, son. Your skin burning. Oh, my gosh. My hand <laughs> blistered after that. It was just burning red. And I had to hold that for like two minutes because I had to go out and then wait to serve each person until I got, of course, the last people at the very end of the table. Oh, that was me. That was the soup. Oh, really? Here you go. And I basically just splatted it like on, on the table. Like, oh, there you go. And then they just looked at me. I'm like, hey, you see this? You see this right here? Is this something out of Home Alone where they left like the whole like M on my hand? <laughs> Gosh, just the imprint of the soup. McAllister? Yeah, McAllister. But liquid hot magma. <laughs> it was basically just With a, your bare hands. a bowl of yeah. fire. It was so hot. Yeah, and then okay. I came back and my hands were just numb. So I don't remember anything from that point on in that day. You just blacked out after you I burnt your hand? Out. <laughs> yep, it was pretty wild. But it was a good experience and uh, there were a lot of stories of Fat Ox. Do you have any more questions about the Fat Ox? Well, that was another thing that they got really mad at. You auctioned off food? You don't know what that even means, Jen. I know what I mean. You never had a job before. Shame on you. <laughs> She has now. <laughs> right. True. More fun job. But, yeah, again, when I picked up the, the um, knowledge of the ta- where the tables were, I, I thought I knew the extent of the etiquette. 
But apparently you're not supposed to be like, who ordered the green beans to like a bunch of people <laughs> who, who paid like hundreds of dollars for a nice meal, you know. But it's, it just, you just get scowled at. But I'm kind of used to the kind of living in this family, the whole scowl. <laughs> I'm very familiar with it. There's some ribbing and sarcasm that goes on. Just a little. Never. <laughs> so would you make tips there? Is that oh, right? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, there... I feel like most restaurants nowadays, at least in, in Scottsdale and Phoenix, the tips are pooled, um, which I kind of don't really like just because you're not really rewarded for how well you do. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of like there's a hierarchy. Like the servers, waiters, waitresses make the most tips, and then the busboys are right below that. And in the end, the servers and, and the servers tip the busboys. So if I helped out, say – well, a, super, a certain waitress like throughout the whole night she would tip me well if I didn't do if I was in the kitchen the whole time I probably wouldn't get that that great of a tip um, but for the most part tips are pretty spread out among the staff and uh, it just depends like if you're a bartender you make crazy tips crazy tips um, and uh, honestly like I, I worked as bar back illegally for a while and then uh well, it's not subtle anymore yeah dude. <laughs> oh dang it sorry guys we have to edit there's still out. a statue of limitations <laughs> and uh some old man came up to me he's like are you supposed to be working here i'm like i don't know man like in beavis and butthead when they're like you boys ate <laughs> you, uh, uh, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i got moved out of that position quickly but it was kind of cool working as a bar back just because perks. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I don't know. It's kind of cool. Like kind of moving between the kitchen, the bar, and just on the floor. Because like, you kind of get rain of everything, and you get better tips that way. Nice. Yeah. Thank you for your stories. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Absolutely. So do you or Jay have any like advice about someone's first job if they're looking for a job or already have a job? Maybe they're... You're the rookie? I would say you you can't expect to be, like, on your game right off the bat and, you know, to make sure that you don't put so much pressure on yourself. Anybody out there looking for their first job, you know, obviously you want to be on time and you want to, you know, do the best you can. But <laughs> Directed know, to David a little bit. I know. Yeah. I learned. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you want to realize that uh, everybody starts somewhere. And there's always a starting point, so uh, you can't expect to be, you know, head head busboy right off the bat. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can have the goal to be that, but uh, you know, I think everybody has their beginnings, and that would be some advice I would give. David, um, David, yeah. what do you think about your your experience? What did you learn from being a waiter? I learned that how you carry <laughs> yourself and how you treat people matters. And making extra effort to make someone's night better goes a long way, not only um, with how their night's going, like kind of personally and um, I don't know if to say emotionally, but like it's also reflected in tips, obviously, just because most people, if they had a good time, they're like, oh, man, this guy deserves some compensation. Mm -hmm. And um, and as long as you put the effort in and kind of go above and beyond then you'll never go wrong. And going up, and you'll definitely rise in the ranks, absolutely, like, without a doubt. And people will start to respect you. And and I, I more learned that in my other jobs. But just because of how I, like, my, 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 that was the one thing I would change at Fat Ox. I would kind of try to 
um, work a lot harder at going above and beyond what people expect and then gaining respect that way rather than accepting that I'm the youngest person here and not expected to carry my weight that much. I think it's interesting as a consumer too, like, you know, when you're being weighted on, you know, you can see the guys that really care and, and want to make and try and have a good situation. And then you can see the guys that are basically just throwing the stuff down totally. or they're, they're not coming by taking care of the customers or what have you. Absolutely. And um, it's just interesting to be on both sides of that probably where you've been weighted on and then you can tell, oh, I've been in that guy's shoes where he's having a bad day or something mm-hmm. or um, – you know, like you said, being personable and looking people in the eye and, you know, trying to be Johnny on the spot, that goes a long way. And that was that was the first thing I noticed after my first job, like going out to eat at a restaurant. Like, I just noticed right away, oh, the service is terrible here. Like, what is this guy doing? He just didn't even wipe down that table. What is he thinking? And so you don't give those guys a very good tip. Exactly. Like, Take this quarter. <laughs> Go downtown and have a rat. Gnaw that thing off your face. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Yep, that's what I was thinking. But And another thing that was really important, a very common theme that I've learned through many jobs, and especially in school, um, attention to detail is crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you're taught that in restaurants, especially at nice restaurants. You know, you serve from the left, take from the right. You set the, the fork on the left side, knife on the right side of, of the napkin. Like, it's painstaking detail and, and people who appreciate that there's there's no substitute for that amount of care and uh um, effort in terms of uh getting respect for yourself and uh kind of rising in the ranks mm-hmm. yeah so i know you worked at the fat ox was like your first like real restaurant job mm-hmm. and then i know you went to the henry mm-hmm. how did it end at fat ox and then the transition to the henry? so the end of the fat ox was an interesting story i didn't do anything wrong Okay. So whatever you guys. So think, you say. Exactly. Whatever you guys think, and all the listener listeners about uh, my reputation, I'm not a schmuck. Okay. <laughs> whatever. Oh, I don't know. Sorry. Jen's been uh, spreading some fake news. I'm sorry. Um, You're fired. That's not how you left the fat ox. Right? Nope. I was not fired. Um, I actually, I, w- I did a um, a service trip to uh, Guatemala my junior year, and I told my manager. That I'd be gone for a week. I came back and there was a completely new manager, and uh, and they they didn't even know who I was just because I wasn't there when he was hired. So I came up ready to work and uh, he was like, "Who are you?" I'm like, "Who are you?" <laughs> uh, he's, I'm like, "I'm supposed to work like at five o'clock. What are you doing?" And uh, he's like, "Well, I gave someone your time slot." I'm like, "What are you talking about? Like, I had the perfect time slot." Because I was working Friday nights and Sunday and Sunday nights, working making awesome tips, and uh, so he was like, "Oh, yeah, sorry about that, but I'll I'll move you to uh, Mondays and Wednesdays." I'm like, "Oh, don't worry, I, I don't have school or sports to worry about at all. Yeah, I'll be right there." So I I just decided like it was it was uh I had to compare what what I needed to prioritize, so I decided to apply for a different job at the Henry, and I. The Henry was actually the first job I applied for um, before I applied for Fat Ox. And, um, and I didn't get the job the first time because I had zero experience. But now, coming with experience with Fat Ox, I told, I told them what I learned, pretty much everything I've told you guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were impressed. And they said, like, 
awesome and we're, we'd, we'd love to have you here and i i worked there for a year year and a half two years and and uh learned a lot and made some good money so it was a fun deal nice so you worked worked past tense you don't still work there no just because i'm at school and I actually i had <clears throat> i had lunch there today and and uh my when you work at at the henry or, or that at that company's branch you get a discount like a 35 percent discount and i didn't even have to tell like tell them who, who i was they, they just remembered which made me feel good oh, <laughs> who nice. i was so this gave me a discount um, which is good for a college kid. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that was the main reason why I stopped working. Like, I I wanted to enjoy my senior summer without working, and I made enough money to buy a car. So, but now I'm broke. So, <laughs> <laughs> broke college kid. I was there at one time. Ramen is yeah, good. Living off ramen. Living off ramen and jerky. Just melting the snow from outside. Exactly. So, do you guys have any like last minute advice? Anything you want to add in? I will say that I think being a waiter as your first job is a great experience. I did that at Calmback in through high school and college and teaches you a lot about time management, organization, prioritizing, um, dealing with people and stress. I think it's a great, great first job. Not as cool as a podcast. but No, um, definitely not as cool. <laughs> Jen, I just want to tell you that I'm very proud of you. And I've seen you evolve so much in the past couple of years, especially with your whole journey with cystic fibrosis and your FNAS quest. And... Your popularity has exploded as well, and I'm really proud of you for that. So most people have been very supportive of you in your journey, but you, you've also encountered some challenges with people and their opinions of, of your whole journey. And I remember a while ago I was looking at a lot of your posts, and uh, I saw a couple people just full out just roast, just just being very mean to you, saying like, oh, you're a horrible person for hunting and all this stuff. And I, we do understand as hunters that hunting is a very controversial activity, especially in, today, in, in today's day and age. And uh, I'm trying so, to No, but that's, that's true. Okay. But the thing is you can't, and this is important for, I think, anybody. You need to be true to yourself. You're not going to make everybody happy. Treat people with respect. And the ones that are against what you stand for don't apologize what you stand for as long as you're founded in something well then you'll be fine but don't worry about what the haters say what else Dave? what else were you saying so just just like what dad said what what you should focus on is who you how you know yourself and to not completely get caught up in what other people think of you and that's a common trend and common habit of today and especially our generation to think like oh i have so many followers oh i have people said this commented this blah 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 blah. but it's all about your your true relationships with people and how you're known and respected and you are the most strong person that i know and most people would say that as well unless they've talked to me before (laughs) (laughs) shut up richard (laughs) (laughs) so i just want to tell you that you you know yourself more than better than anyone else, and uh, you, you shouldn't let people's criticisms have any real estate in your mind. Yeah, so. and I would like to further that. You know what you do, being a hunter and and being an outdoors woman. You know your your blessings are from God, and and you know you are the person that you are, and you're the dynamic person that you are, and. Uh, you've had an amazing ability to relate to people through your speeches and what have you at the Wild Sheep Foundation and the 
quest to be able to shoot five North American, four, and then a fifth. Five. Five, five. North American sheep uh, with a girl that's 17 years old with cystic fibrosis is absolutely amazing. And the first and person with cystic fibrosis ever to do that. Yeah. Thank and you. And the first person to do that. It's, a, it's an amazing accomplishment that you've done. So I wouldn't uh, worry really about the few people that maybe want to say negative things about you because of your hunting. Uh, the reality is you know why you hunt and you've been you know, raised in a hunting family and you know the conservation side of hunting and how valuable it is. And so I just think that uh, this podcast is going to be a great place for you to flourish and really make an impact on people's lives and let them see the light that shines within you. And, and I, see, I see it firsthand when I'm around you. And I'm so excited to see these upcoming podcasts and see how well you're going to do because I know you're going to flourish just like a flower. It's going to be awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited for where this is going to go. I can't wait. The reality, too, is when things get tough, that's just when you get in your element because (laughs) you're used to things being tough and challenges in front of you. So you know, there'll always be naysayers when you're doing positive things and doing real important things. There'll always be people that want to try and bring you down. But the reality is you're tough enough and you've been through things that you know that uh, their opinion doesn't really matter. And there's so many thousands of people that you are going to be able to impact millions of people potentially uh, with just the person you are. So it's really exciting to see that you're starting this podcast. I'm just super stoked to see how it's just going to go here. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. And Super just when excited. people give you bad advice, just tell them. They're not up in here. Not up in here. Yes. I'd like to add, I'm super excited about the journey that you're going to go on. I love the name yeah. of your podcast. And, uh, you know, having been around you a lot, starting out on those turkey hunts up in northern <laughs> yeah. Arizona and watching you guys, all you guys, um, grow, except for you, Bob. He's evil and he wants to take over the world and he fits easily into most overhead storage bin. <laughs> not, not watching Whoa. you grow, I mean watching the kids grow, but um, <laughs> it's just been cool to see, uh, you know, where you're at now mm-hmm. and see you give the big speech at the sheep show and then be able to parlay that into this and have a cool podcast and can't wait to see all the people that you interview and i know you're going to be great at it so thank you i'm just excited to watch you flourish thank you and yeah just thank you guys for listening to my first podcast uh can't wait to see where this goes and yeah it's, it's been awesome it's been great talking to you guys and just thanks for being on my first journey it was great talking to jay and just have him overall like the past couple weeks he's been helping me a lot with this podcast so it was great talking to him and just like doing my first podcast with him was such a great experience He's been a great mentor for you. He's had you, he's had your story on a podcast last year, and then he had the interview with you about finishing your Grand Slam of Wild Sheep, and he's been a great friend and very helpful, and it was also nice hearing your brother talk about his hits and misses, his successes and failures, and we love his humiliations, but mm-hmm. David's been a great big brother for you and, and for Timmy, and um, you know he's been a good role model, so it was great having the two on there, and congratulations on your first day at work, first day at your new job, your first Thank podcast. You. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I think that you did great. Incredible. One of the worst performances of my career, and they never doubted it for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks uh, for the support. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect.
Yeah, it was a ton of fun just having the whole kind of round table discussion thing with Jay and my brother and just hearing their journeys with their first job and advice about first jobs because life is short well I mean so am I and I'm just trying to make the most out of every day and I hope that you guys do too. I hope you all have a great journey and make it an epic one.